Blog Talk Radio. Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And we're so happy that you're with us this evening. If you would like to call in and be a part of the panel, we'd love to have you join us. You can call in on 646-595-2118. And my beautiful co-host, Penelope, who's on with me this evening, will meet you on the back line and, um, and then bring you into the studio if you have a question. So um, I'm excited to interview our guest. We are on scan number 3133 this evening, and um, I will introduce Dr. Pamela Pine here in just a moment. But first, we have a single purpose here at NASCA, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violence, violence or sexual physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. One, by educating the public, especially as it's related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, by offering hope and healing through the numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And again, we are on scan number 3133. And if you'd like to be a part of our panel this evening, 595-2118. And again, you'll be greeted on the back line. So um, you can also reach our shows at www.nasca.org. That's N-A-A. SCA, and you can search for any past scan numbers that um, are on the website there. So this evening, our, our special guest is Dr. Pamela Pine. She is the founder and CEO of Stop the Silence, Stop Child Sexual Abuse, a nonprofit organization with a mission to expose and stop child sexual abuse and help survivors heal worldwide. Pamela is a long-standing NASCA family member who has just published 
a wonderful book that just went to bestsellers, um, Stop the Silence, Thriving After Child Sexual Abuse. And it's now available on Amazon and through um, Kindle as well. And the wonderful publisher was uh, Laura DeFranco, and she was, is with Brave Healers Productions. I can't say enough about her. She is amazing. Um, in this book, there's 23 survivors and professionals who make contributions to this. Um, Pamela says that thanks to the efforts of experts, healers, and survivors, and their supporters around the globe, we're preventing child sexual abuse and promoting healing of victims and survivors. Um, we're celebrating the lives of those and underscoring child sexual abuse as social justice and civil rights issues. She goes on to say that this great collaboration brings together real stories and powerful tools from practitioners and survivors who have been on the front lines of the fight of justice and healing. NASCA knows well how long and hard fought this effort has been. Pamela continues to say, together, we're normalizing the conversations about child sexual abuse. We're bringing awareness, training, and education to communities. We're changing norms and empowering victims, survivors, and their families, and their supporters. The goal of her nonprofits are, for one, to promote healing of victims and survivors, and two, celebrate the lives of those healed. Through their work, Stop the Silence aims to address the relationships between child sexual abuse and the broader issue of overall family and community violence, and violence within and between communities. So, I'm going to go ahead and bring Pamela on. And Dr. Pamela Pine, welcome to the show. We're so glad that you're here this evening. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's great, it's great timing, too, because of the book, which just came out yesterday on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. So excited. And um, I didn't mention that I'm also just honored to be a part of this book. So, well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Um, so actually, we just I want, want you to start. Just, where... Yeah, I just wanted. <laughs> I actually just wanted. I just wanted to to make a minor correction, and that is that stop the silence, stop child sexual abuse was a was a freestanding 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Maryland working on international child sexual abuse until. Um, the very end of 2020, um, when I dissolved the organization and had been working for two and a half years with the Institute on Violence, Abuse, and Trauma to bring Stop the Silence into IVAT as a department of IVAT. So we now work uh, uh, in tandem uh, as a department uh, under uh, IVAT. So I just wanted to let people know that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Can you tell us and tell the audience a little bit about what IVAT is and why that, how that all works? Sure. <laughs> sure absolutely. IVAT is really almost a one-stop shop for focusing on issues of interpersonal violence across the lifespan. So, inter so domestic violence, bullying, elder abuse, and all forms of child abuse. They provide 
education, outreach, training, as well as direct services. Uh, there is there are individuals who are working to people who wind up in the court systems with these issues, helping to provide expert testimony, uh, as well as training and understanding for people who are dealing with the various systems, sometimes not as well as, sometimes the systems, as we all know, are not working as well as they might. So there's a lot of support that IVAT provides. And the, the, our missions, the, the reason this happened was, was a fewfold. Uh, one, I was really looking for the right organization for Stop the Silence to land. Uh, we, none of us were going to live forever, uh, probably anyway. Uh, and, uh, so I wanted to make sure that, I wanted to make sure that Stop the Silence had a home. But also, because our missions overlap and are so complementary in terms of the education, the outreach, the training, and the services, it was a really easy transition. We have been working with Stop the Silence and I that had been working for, oh, it was probably 18, 16, 18 years in collaboration on various types of things. I've been going out to their summits for years and years, probably about 18 years at this point. Uh, they they are located at uh, www.ivatcenters, with an S, dot org. So it's I, V as in Victor, A, T, and then the word centers, ivatcenters.org. Uh, and Stop the Silence, you can find if you put, you know, put a slash, and then stop dash the dash silence, you'll wind up on our homepage as a department of theirs. Okay. Well, that is amazing that you're able to continue on this legacy that you've created and um, found a home for it. That's awesome. And I know that you've already been around the world doing stuff. Right. So was able to just kind of combine all of that that you've been doing for years and years. Yeah. I mean, I I started out as an international public health development and communication specialist and have, as you say, I've been working around the world for a really long time. And so when I started working on child sexual abuse 22 years ago, it was just natural for me to think of the international focus and not only the U.S. or the Western focus. Uh, it's, it's the way I'm built at this point. It's where my mind and my heart go. After all, this is an issue certainly not only affecting the U.S. or the Western world. And I personally, this is my own personal statistic, drawing from other people's statistics, that I believe that given the enormous number of children who are sexually abused as well as uh, exposed to other adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, but speaking about child sexual abuse specifically because we're focusing on the book right now, I estimate there are probably about a billion people or more 
on the planet who are survivors of child sexual abuse. And when, and when we think about that kind of number and we recognize the incredible and intense and enormous harm that this issue does to our neurology, our psychology, our financial systems, our ability to show up at work well, our ability to do schoolwork well, our ability to carry on healthy and productive relationships, we just have to know that the impact of this issue is, is multiple fold. And the, the thing that I have been underscoring for these 22 years, as have other people as well, is that we have an issue that is affecting up to what, one-sixth, one-eighth of all the children in the world? And we can't find the resources, quote-unquote, in order to address it well in terms of both prevention as well as treatment and and mitigation. And that is just blatantly an unacceptable situation worldwide. The other thing I often say is that we choose. We choose what to focus on. And we, as societies, have chosen to focus on things other than this. Uh, The Western world, the focus on obtaining things, you know, gathering things and property, uh, has become a real, almost a religion, you know, and we've been saying that, everybody's been saying that for a very long time. And we have the money, we have the accumul- accumulated wealth uh, to do something substantial about this issue. And basically, we've, ma- we've, we're, we've made a choice. We've made a choice. It's not happening the way it needs to happen in any case at this point. No, I agree with you. And I, I just think that this book, um, as you've been saying, is is going to help in a, a in some way with that whole purpose, your purpose, and what you've been trying to accomplish. So tell us a little bit about then how you came about wanting to do this book. Sure. Well, Laura, I, I've written chapters for books published by Laura DeFranco and Brave Healer Productions before. Laura is a force of nature. Um, She's wonderful. She's skilled. She does everything that she says she's going to do. Uh, She's, she's on time. She's, she is intelligent, well-spoken and truly a heart uh, that I think many of us rarely encounter. The level of support that she gives so many people is amazing. So I had a colleague who asked me whether I wanted to write a chapter in one book, which was called Unstoppable. And so I wrote a chapter in that. And then I had already started a chapter, actually, that I shared with Laura uh, about about a journey, uh, a, a physical and psychological journey that my daughter was on, and therefore this was the entire family. And I shared that with her, and she said, oh, this, this has got to go into our, 
our uh, our next book, um, which was um, Strong Mothers, uh, and so I wrote for that. And then Laura, Laura was facing this issue in her own life, in her family, child sexual abuse, and she, of course, had read my bio uh, because I had published. Uh, two chapters, she had published two of my chapters in her book, and she approached me and said, I'd really like to do a book with you about child sexual abuse, and I want to call it Stop the Silence. And I said, let's do it. So then, you know, then there is the process of who's going to be available to do this, who wants to tell their story, who's brave enough to tell their story. I mean, some of the things that have been disclosed in these chapters, which are really very interestingly set up, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but some of the disclosures in the chapters in this book are being disclosed for the first time by these people who are writing. That's a very brave thing to do to disclose something that you've never talked about before, some of the details of what happened to you and how it happened and how you felt about it for the first time in a very, very public manner. But the way Laura's books are set up is also really appealing in that there are chapters, always chapters, And then at the end of the chapter, there is a part of the entire overall story that provides guidance. And in ours, it's called the practice. And these practices that all of the 23 international authors, there are, by the way, nine countries, people people representing nine countries, and I'll name them for you in a second, if you don't mind, uh, all of those people... uh, put forward what their healing modalities have been and what they've used to heal and move forward and and rise and thrive. And so with that format, and I knew the format already going into this, I knew it would be a really powerful book, particularly if I could get the kind of international representation, which we did. One-third of the authors in this book are from other countries, and I'd like to name them because I think it's important. It's very diverse. Come from Latin America, Native America, from Cyprus, from um, Zambia, from uh, Egypt, from... uh, uh, New Zealand, Samoa, and Guam. So literally, I don't know how, how everybody's geography is who's listening to this, but literally that spans the entire globe from Latin America through Oceania, uh, wow. the Pacific area. And it's, it's north, south, east, and west. So in we have a plan. What we're, we're, what we're planning to do is translate translate this book into multiple languages, as I think I might have said before. Uh, at least Arabic, French, and Spanish, and that's in, in, in the planning stages. But we also would like to get Chinese, um, Portuguese, 
uh, and a few other languages so that people who are all over the globe can access the information in this book. Yeah, and that's amazing that you were able to get all of those people together. But like you said before, you've been working around the world for a long time. So mm-hmm. that's great that you can bring all those people together. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Do you I, mind I, I if we... Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. There's always a little bit of a a break there. But um, do you mind if we just see before we go on if, if anyone has any questions? Sure. That'd be fine. Take a break here for a minute. Okay. So let's bring on Penelope, my beautiful co-host. Penelope, you're on. Oh, thank you, Kim. And um, Pamela, thank you so much for um, not only coming on, and I know it's the day after the book's been released, and I'm sure you're very, very busy, um, but you know, thank you for coming on, um, you know, as a NASCA member um, as well, um, because as you know, NASCA is an international organization, um, and I love the fact that on the show we have, you know, sometimes multiple continents being represented because, as you mentioned um, in the first, uh, in the introduction um, with Kim, that this is a global pandemic, like we said, and Kim mentioned in the mission statement, and um, I took some notes on what you said, that there are a billion people that are living in this world that have been affected by um, childhood sexual abuse, child abuse. That means there's about a sixth of our children, you know, that, that are out there that need their resources. And, um, and this isn't just something that, that is um, confined to one, you know, one neighborhood or one area. This is, this is widespread. Um, this is, these are people that we know. These are people that are, you know, that we may be living with, that we may be married to. Um, and for some of us, like myself, I was one of those people, and I walked around this world until I was in my mid-40s, really having repressed all that, never speaking of it, and I would not have considered myself um, one in six. Um, so I think it's going to reach, your book is um, going to reach so many people. Um, so I wish to thank you for that and, and for some of the information that you shared. So. Um, I really don't have a question. Uh, I just wanted to actually just, you know, a, a few remarks and thank you for for what you've shared with us so far. And I'm I'm very interested in, in listening to um, the rest of the show and, and about more about what's in the book and um, what your future projects are going to bring. So, um, sorry, not a question, Kim, but a comment. But I'm just uh, taking notes and I'm um, I'm very thankful that you're on tonight and the work that you've been doing and, and with the publication of this book. I'm very, very excited. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And I'm proud of Kim for her contribution in it. Thank you. Well, you know, all of the all of the NASCA family, and I do mean it in, in that vein, uh, Bill uh, was uh, willing to put out uh, an announcement that I was looking for authors. So I don't know how many, but it was more than a small handful uh, that of the authors came in through through NASCA. So this is a really nice partnership as well between Step Asylums, IVAD, and, and NASCA, and that's marvelous. But I thank you very much for your words. They're very kind, uh, and uh, I really, really appreciate the support. As we all know, this is, this is not easy stuff, you know. It's not easy stuff on, on any level. And when we can come together like this and support each other in the work that we are all trying to do, 
certainly we have a better chance of of making the kind of difference that we all want to make. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's going to take it. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it, it's 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 definitely it's a it's a it's not it's many many voices right it's it's not just one voice it has to be many many voices um, to 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 raise the awareness so absolutely um, Kim thank you I'm going to actually go and greet we have um, I'm still a building panel so I'm going to go greet at number two one six so thank you I hope I get an opportunity to talk to you Pam thank you Kim that would be great thank you. Thank you, Penelope. Yeah, we do. We have a growing panel here. Um, so if you don't mind, we'll just go down here. Um, there's a number, and I believe his name is Ward, 9927 oh. is the last digit of the number. And so we're going to go Ward, ahead and bring him on Ward if he has anything to say. Yeah. That's great. Ward is one of my favorite people on the earth. <laughs> well, you know, uh, can you hear me? Yep. Okay. You know what I think? I think this book is a reflection. It's a reflection of all of our hearts uh, hugging each other and supporting each other all over the whole world. Survivors and thrivers. You know, it's just, it's a reflection. It's just, it's a snapshot. You know, that's the best we can do because the world is really big. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just, my observation, you know, it, it's been it's been a long haul, and and it's, there's been a price. There's been a price that you know that we all pay to say stuff that people don't want to talk about. They don't want to hear it. You know, we we just um, we keep talking, and sometimes I'm talking to people, and they're just turned away, turned around, and walking away, and I'm still talking. <laughs> right. Right. So, <laughs> Right. Well, I used to, as you know, Ward, I've I've often joked that I used to be able to clear a cocktail party in about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I have to do, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh well, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. And yeah, it's changed though. It it really it really has changed. I mean the yeah. the the folks the folks now that I talk to and tell them about what my primary focus is. And I don't always do that because, frankly, I don't always want to talk about it. Yeah. It's heavy. <laughs> right. It's heavy. So, but when I do now, um, as opposed to before, you know, 15, 20 years ago, when I talk about it now, the reaction that I get from people is so different than what I used to get. The reaction now is, thank you for your work. The reaction 20 years ago was they, they liter- people would literally lower their voices. You know, they would lower their voice because yeah. they were so uncomfortable with even the words, which is why the organization, in fact, was named. That's why I named it what I named it. And I was advised not to do that, stop the sound, stop child sexual abuse. People told me, Pam, nobody's going to talk to you if you name your, your <laughs> organization that. And I said, well, that's the point, isn't it, right? And what the, the name did, what the name allowed us to do was to get on the media 
and say stop child sexual abuse all over the media because it was part <laughs> of the organization's name. And they had right. to say the name, stop the silence, stop child sexual abuse. So that was that it was it was an it's been an interesting journey and it has changed and I think we have made a difference you know those early years not only the early years for many many years uh through about oh 2015 or so we did a lot of media television radio we did press we did uh social media you know uh talk social media we did a lot of media, and I think that that had the impact of of really letting people, allowing people to talk about this subject without it being taboo, without the shame that is so often associated in the minds of people with regard to this issue. So... So I, I I always thank you for your your words, Ward. Uh, Ward, by the way, if if you all don't know, Ward is our uh, social media uh, manager. So the 99% of the posting that comes out of Stop the Silence on social media on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, that's that's all Ward. So he does a really great job in just reaching out to people, providing both academic information, research, as well as the support for survivors in terms of the heart stuff. Uh, How are you doing? What can we do for you? What do you need? So I, I, I I could literally not thank him enough for everything that he does. Well, thank you. I, I thank you for everything you do, you know, and it, and it is, you're right. The, uh, uh, it's the whole, you can, you can say the, these words, stop the silence, stop childhood sexual abuse to 20 people. Not as many look at their feet right away when you say it now as right. they did 10 years ago. You know, right. and that's because right. that's because we keep we keep saying it. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. It it has changed, and I'm really thankful of that. The days of the race to stop the silence, which took place between 2004 and 2013 in downtown Washington D.C., I believe, although we didn't have the money to properly evaluate it, unfortunately, but I believe that that made a really big difference. I mean, we had. You know those backlit signs in the in the subways uh, ad, that advertise various things. We we had those in the in the metro. We had those signs in the metro. We had the Washington Post ads. We had magazine ads. We had Channel Seven and Channel Nine do television interviews with me and other people. We had Clear Channel Radio, and when you really bombard the media waves like that, people start to get used to hearing about it and become more willing to dialogue about it. So I, I, I'm very proud of the work. Uh, it's been a lot of work. It hasn't always been easy, but I think that we have made a difference. And I think 
going along those lines and continuing to make that kind of difference is what we need to do to get everybody on the same page and working to prevent and treat and mitigate child sexual abuse. So we're still in the game. We're still fighting hard. I think this book is 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 critical uh, for survivors as well as the the healers that work with survivors because, as you pointed out numerous times, Ward, and Ward and I are presenting in Hawaii uh, next month, actually, at the IVAT conference in Honolulu. Uh, Ward has regularly pointed out that, that oftentimes therapists really don't quite understand and if they can't empathize, if they can't put themselves to some extent in the place survivors, it's going to be hard for them to provide the kind of treatment and support that's really needed for survivors. Uh, so that's, that's a point that Ward makes regularly and, and such an important one. And we're going to be talking actually about about the various types of uh, modalities uh, that therapists can use in the way for survivors to help each other uh, heal uh, through various processes. So thanks for that. Right. Too. Yeah. Right. Even therapists. Right. Even therapists sometimes look at their feet when you mention it. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So well, you know, I think the book. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Ward. I I think the book is, it's it's not only going to be beneficial to people already in thriving and all. It's going to be a jump start for the whole spectrum. It's going to be a jump start for the people not talking about it. It's going to be a jump start for the people just starting to talk about it, and it's going to talk. It's going to be a jump start for the thrivers because they can jump ahead too. And the therapists and all, we're training them anyhow. I mean, it happens in every daggone therapy room. The therapist is learning from the client. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's not inherently bad, although it would Oh, be no, great. that's a good thing. It's, it's, oh, it's okay. a good thing. Okay. But it's one of the best ways. It's one of the best ways to collaborate is to yeah. learn together. Right. Learn together. Right. 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 And 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 the more they know, obviously, the more they learn, the better that they can help their future clients, their current and future clients. Right. The next person coming into the room, the therapist has got a little bit more. Right. Right. A little bit more to offer. Mhm. Yep. I mean just the ones that really get to me are the ones who feel like they, they're not supposed to lead in any way or influence, you know, to let the client find their own path kind of thing. And that's yeah. like, you know, give the client 10 different options. Let them pick something, you know. Don't let them sit there and flounder. <laughs> that's how, right. that, that, that's the part that gets under my gift, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, maybe that's you the know, next book, Pamela. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, maybe that's the next book. 
<laughs> how to not? <laughs> how to teach? Somebody, somebody's already reached out asking if there's going to be a second book. So <laughs> I'm, waiting, I'm waiting to hear from them to see if they want to oh, work with on that. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ward, for your questions. And I'm going to go ahead and put you back on hold just because we've got a growing panel here, and I want to be able to get to everybody. But I'm um, we'll try and make our way back to you, okay? Thank you for your input. Thank you. Talk to you soon, Ward. Yes. Okay. So now we have um, one of our longtime NASCAR members. He's with us most nights. And Philip, would you like to say anything to the panel of mine? Um, hello, Pamela. How many chapters are in your book? Yeah, we have every every author uh, wrote one chapter. So we have 23 authors, 23 chapters. The book is somewhat over 200 pages. I can't remember. I could actually call, pull up that information for you really quickly if, you, if you'd like. Um, but, uh, yeah, each chapter, the way Laura works is that the collaborative chapter book uh, each author is recommended to write a chapter of about 2,500 words, plus or minus 500. So the longest chapter is 3,000 words, which is about you know, six, seven pages, something like that. So this book is, is 244 pages total with 23 chapters. Uh, and each chapter has a story. Uh, and a practice at the end to help guide survivors and others toward even more surviving uh, techniques and, and, and a life of thriving. Thank you. Uh-huh. Sure. Thank you, Philip. Okay. Now we have an anonymous caller. And um, they said that it was okay to call on them. Their last four digits are 7022. So you are on air now with Pamela. Hello? Do you have anything you wanted to say? Hello? Hello? Hmm. Well, maybe she's on hold. So um, or on mute or something. Oh. We'll yeah, Kim, it's not, Kim, it's not, but yeah, I apologize. They they're, they're, um, they said that they would be okay to call on, but they didn't want to give their name. So I guess try again on the next to go around. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. We have um, Heidi on the phone as well. Heidi, you're on with Pamela. Hi, Pamela. It's Heidi Henyon from the book. Oh, great. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Great. I want to uh, say thank you for, you know, being on the show and thank you, the host, for hosting this. Um, one of the things that I I wanted to ask if there is a way or something you can help people to understand how to open the conversation. You know, like you said, and and with me, I know I've cleared many cocktail parties and everything else with the conversation, and I think there's Two things that I think could really help people, number one is just how do you start a conversation around this topic, 
as we're trying to normalize that conversation. And number two, any thoughts on what somebody can do if they suspect or know of somebody, even as an adult, that they think was abused, if there's a way that they might be able to gently open up a conversation with them so that they actually can stop the silence? Yeah, those are great questions. Uh, in, in terms of uh, opening up the conversation, generally speaking, uh, I would say part part of the answer comes uh, with who are you speaking to and for what purpose. One of the things that I say in the book is a way for anybody and everybody to get involved, for example, is with politicians. When politicians come looking for your vote, you can ask them whether they have a policy on child sexual abuse. This is also true for the school system, people running for the boards of education or what have you. Do you have a policy in terms of child sexual abuse? No? Well, why not? And how can I help you develop that? I'd be more than happy to assist. So those, as I say, it depends on who. With, with parents um, and teachers, I hold, I have this conversation all the time. I have been invited into schools. I used to be invited on a regular basis. I do less of that now, frankly, because it was so hard to get into the schools. And then there was so much discomfort uh, around the subject matter uh, and we ended up having also to get permission forms for the children of whatever age to be exposed to the conversation. But I think that whether it's your neighbor, the family down the street, the people in your music group, uh, uh, the people who you have interactions with on a daily basis, you know, my sister used to kid and joke that uh, whenever I got into an airplane, uh, <laughs> God helped the person sitting next to me uh, because they would get exposed to this conversation. And it was true. Uh, and, and the fact is, is that if you are going, a normal conversation, what do you do? You meet somebody, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Where do you work? Now, as I say, sometimes I actually uh, steer that conversation off because it is a heavy. It can get heavy really, really fast. But what I more often do is I answer the question honestly and just say, my focus is uh, in international health and my specialty is in child sexual abuse prevention and mitigation, which always gets a reaction. And usually gets questions. Oh, what do you do? Thank you. What do you do exactly? And then I start talking about the education and the training and all that business. But anybody, whether they have kids or not, who live in a community can work with their local groups to open up this conversation. In schools, that's just, it, it just makes sense. Would you rather prevent it or would you rather deal with the aftermath of this situation, which can be dire? And, of course, 
which a school system does not want to deal with, the PR nightmare that schools have to deal with if they are found to have supported or harbored or not known about somebody who then turns out to be a fender is, is, is hellacious. It's, it's horrible. So let's put a system into place. And, and it can be that kind of matter of fact. Uh, I'd like to help you do this. I think we should do this. I think it's important for our community. But you know, I, I mentioned I mentioned the 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 music group. I've done that. I'm a part of a chorale, and I sing every Tuesday night. I sing, and then we we have uh, two to three concerts a year. And at one of the concerts, uh, I can't even remember what song I was singing. But I asked the director whether I could introduce the song with what I do for a living because it made sense, whatever the song was, it made sense. And he said, yeah, go right ahead. So I stood up and before the song, you know, my name is Pamela Pine and, and uh, what, I, what I work on is this. And it's a captive audience of 50 to 100 people. Uh, we did that with Race to Stop the Silence. We had people like Vif- Victor Vies come in, and it was a race and a walk. It was there was a there was a thousand captive people there. Talk, you know, just talk. And as long as we stay calm and measured and thoughtful and and considered in what words we use and how we use them and what we say. I think that you can have a fairly reasonable conversation with practically anyone, and I mean that. And then we can tailor our conversations even more specifically to address the, 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 the situation of, of the person that we're addressing, whether that's a parent even parenting classes. This is a subject that should be brought up in parenting classes. This is a subject we have. We have an online mandated training for nannies, for example. We have a collaboration with uh, the the Nanny League, which is a group that places pretty high high level uh, places nannies with fairly high level families. When they come in to the nanny league circle, they are required to take our training. That was the brainchild of someone named Lindsay Estelle who started the nanny league. So we have every, all the time, we have nannies coming through this training to teach them about what it is and who who the vendors are and how it happens in the grooming process. So I think that conversation could be had with almost almost anyone and entering into it as long as I say as I say, almost you can have a conversation with almost anybody about almost anything as long as people are staying thoughtful and measured and they're not attacking, they're not demanding, they're informing, they're educating, they're making people aware. And I I mean, think of yourself. I'd be willing to hear about something that I didn't understand as long as this person was speaking to me in a respectful manner. 
Yeah, no, I I agree with you there. And yeah. um, you know, when I bring up the conversation, um, I do most of the time very gently and but also as a matter of fact because I'm you know a trauma and abuse coach. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm 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 in the same place as you because it is what I do for a living is is help people you know heal from this. Um, another question that I might add to that though is is for people who don't have that kind of opening because that's what they do for a living or something like that, but they may suspect or know that there may be, you know, childhood sexual abuse going on somewhere, you know, within their family or anything. Is there, you know, is there any gentle way or anything that you can think of to start opening that conversation? Yeah, yeah. That was the other part of your question. Sorry, I forgot about that part. So oh, that's all right. Yeah, there are two parts of that. How do you how do you open a conversation with somebody who might have that in their families, and how do you open a conversation with someone who you suspect may be a survivor who's not yet dealing with it, not yet coping with it? And I think that within families, uh, again, I, I think within families, that's a realization to be had. And not always an easy one. Uh, there are women, after all, who uh, are in families where child sexual abuse is going on. Uh, they may or may not know, or they may say they don't know because they are truly in a bind. If you look at some segments of a society where women have little room uh, of with regard to their own freedom. They don't have a job outside the home, so they don't have an income. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to get away. And not unusually, as I'm sure you know, child sexual abuse is in families is often uh, accompanied by by domestic violence. They often go together, not always, but they often go together. So if you're in the position of not having enough money and not having the wherewithal and not having a supportive family around you, what do, in fact, you do? It's a very difficult situation for so many people. And I think that opening that up to a person that you think is dealing with this in their family has to be tread on lightly and carefully and considerate, considerately. Considerate, is that the right word? Yeah, is that a word? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, I think you just need to be really careful about how you speak to people, but I think you can open the conversation or at least just kind of Put it on the put it on the table. You know, I I work in I work in child sexual abuse. Wait for the reaction. Uh, sometimes it's really hard for people to be able to talk about this. Wait for the reaction. We have a lot of information that we can provide to people. Wait for the reaction. You know that that kind of thing. Ask people what they're thinking, what they're feeling. Um, offer any information if they'd like it. Uh, and in terms of survivors, that's also a really tough one. 
if you suspect someone's a survivor, I guess I would suggest doing the same thing, bringing up the topic, recognizing, letting them know that you have information, that this is something that you talk about on a regular, regular basis as a part of your avocation or your vocation. And uh, say, anybody who wants information, uh, I can readily get them that information. Or here's a number that you can call if you're interested in hearing more without actually branding them or asking them outright whether they're a survivor. People are often looking for help. They just don't know how to get it or where to go for it. And I think also if you're somebody that's listening who doesn't have a, a vocation, you can always, I, I can remember hearing people say things like, you know, I was reading this article about or I ran across the book, <laughs> this book called Stop the Silence, and um, it talks about this because I know that that can be such a, a, a fine line between opening a door and also making the door shut on somebody that they don't want to talk about. You you can't push it. I know I've had clients who, who know stuff is going on around them. It's like, well, you have to, unless you know it's it's happening and it's very, you, you know, there are circumstances where you just have to be more aggressive about it. Um, but sometimes, like you said, when you're more aggressive, you can actually cause more harm in the family. Right. So it, it takes it takes some real forethought and um, calling somebody if you don't know, trying to find out information yourself on how to maybe open that that subject with people and and not hurt their families. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is delicate. It can be very delicate, as as you are fully aware. And I think the more skilled we get at at both empathy and and listening skills, the more we're able to both reach out as well as provide the kind of information and support that people need and that they're looking for ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, thank you for working with this project with Laura. Um, it was a godsend to be able to work on it, and I know this book is going to change many people's lives, so thanks so mm-hmm. much. Absolutely, Heidi. It was wonderful to have you on it and still with it. And uh, if we go into phase two, I'll let you know. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Heidi. <laughs> thank you, Heidi. Okay, we have um, another gentleman, Albert, like to say something. So, Albert, you are on the air. Thank you very much. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes. I'm sorry, I have some background. I just wanted to commend you guys for the work that you were doing, and I'm in awe that you want to come back this year on the global I, uh, I do work primarily in one state, but it feels like it's nearly drops in that ocean. Uh, I had a bad home environment. I was a product of the system. But as an adult, I work to try to change it from within. It seems like you have an atmosphere of do more or less. Uh, 
in massive layoffs in one of the agencies that I work for and the remaining staff are overworked and they're undercompensated and morale is down. So I just wanted to know if you wanted to speak to this maybe being a cyclical pattern where the social services agencies and agencies that are attached to trying to aid providers um, are kind of getting buried under current politics and other social issues so that it becomes harder to be effective at what we do. Yeah. I'm not catching a hundred percent of what you're saying. Um, uh, 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 did did you catch that? Uh, uh, um, the host. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on your oh, name. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I wasn't quite catching all of that. Just, just yeah. Is there a way you can repeat that, Albert? Yeah. Can you hear me a little better now? I can. We can. Yeah. Is this? By the way, is the is Kim or is this Kim? Is this the host Kim? Yes. Yeah, Kim oh. from the book. <laughs> I wasn't sure if this was you or not. Okay, I'm so sorry. Okay, oh, great. Okay. 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 Good Go ahead, to know that. Okay. All right. Am I okay to talk now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, I, I just want to commend you guys on the work that you're doing, and I'm kind of in awe that you guys are doing on a global scale. Again, I apologize for the background noise. Our family's taking a road trip, but I grew up in a bad situation. I actually shared my story a few weeks ago um, on this on the show. Uh, as a product of the system and as an adult, I've worked to try to combat issues, but it seems like we're having to do more with less. Um, just for instance, the agency that I, I worked for, they had massive layoffs two years ago, and, and it's really impacting the work they do in, in a very detrimental way. Uh, existing staff are having to do more with less and they're overworked and undercompensated. Cases are falling through the cracks. And um, I, I just want to know if you want to speak to maybe this being a cyclical pattern where the social service agencies that are tasked with trying to prevent this type of stuff are getting their, are having a more difficult time uh, doing the work because they don't have the resources. They don't have the social support that's required to be effective at what they do. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I mean, the, a lot of the, this this issue never had enough resources. Let's be real about that. And there are a lot of competing issues with it. But what we are trying to do with this book um, and other parts of the program and uh, the programming that we're doing, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But with this book, we are reaching out to various uh, on social media in particular, various organizations, uh, social service organizations, uh, uh, therapy, uh, therapy groups, supportive therapy groups, uh, and uh, uh, the various credentialing organizations. Uh, we, for example, uh, had, uh, we, we, we sent out an e-blast uh, yesterday to over 14,000 people. And in that 14,000 people were all different types. It was therapists and legal professionals and, uh, and uh, law enforcement and therapists and teachers and all different types of folks. And I think that, I think, Albert, if, if, if we could get together in whatever way to provide whatever information in terms of an opening uh, so that people are aware of where information can be sought and garnered, I think we'd be doing everybody a huge favor. Uh, we are also, I'll give you my email, 
so that if anybody wants to reach out for more information or training, we've got a whole host of different types of training, and they're online, and people can do that by themselves at their own pace. Uh, we, we'd be happy to provide that information to them. Uh, IVAT also, the Institute on Violence, Abuse, and Trauma, has two summits a year. So people can come individually or being supported by their organization to learn more about these issues as well. But if anybody does want to reach me uh, with regard to getting information into the hands of organizations, they can reach me at Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A-P, my last name is Pine, so it's Pamela P at IVACCenters.org, and that's I-V as in Victor, A-T, IVAC, and then the word centers. So Pamela P at IVACCenters.org, and we'd be happy to provide them with information, happy to invite them to our summits, happy to tell them how they can learn more online, and, and provide also in, in discussions with them, we can help them understand how it would be uh, easy for them to obtain this information and then share it. Not everything has to co cost a mint after all. If you have one person in an organization that has committed themselves to doing more and they're willing to share that information with their colleagues, even over lunch, you know, lunch presentations, they can develop that or just copy things and hand it out. I mean, there are lots of ways around the, the, the lack of, of information and, and action. It does take somebody willing to take the bull by the horns, so to speak, and move it forward. Uh, but I'm happy, Albert, to, to help in any way I can, and so will other people at IVAD if we can be of assistance to you or any groups that you're you're thinking about. I appreciate that very much. I, I really do appreciate it. But, I mean, because the work you do is so vital. I feel like sometimes the work, you know, I, I'm primarily in one state and uh, the work that I do, and I feel like sometimes it just merely drops in the ocean. and. The, I know. I think the larger issue is like increasing societal awareness, so they understand that this is an issue that needs to be at the forefront of what right. we do as a society. But I feel like a lot of times people don't really care about this these types of issues. They're desensitized to it unless it's a child or someone that they know, and then they feel that you know we don't respond quick enough. But the truth is, is that we don't have the resources necessary to. Uh, combat it at the, I feel like we're much more reactive than pre proactive. And even in social media, when I try to post things, it's quickly drowned out by cool TikTok videos and, and things of that nature. And um, there's not enough support for the agencies that are actually doing this work. I mean, it's hard enough on them. They're dealing with secondary trauma and they're overworked. And by the time they get home, um, they, they can't even be present for their family because they're still dealing right. with all the stuff they had to do, you know, on the job day in, day out. Right. So I do appreciate the information and resources, and, and I appreciate the book. I can't wait to get a hold of it. It's um, I, I just think we need to continue doing more to make noise, to stop the silence, like you're saying, to make society know that this is something that we need to respond to now more aggressively. Absolutely. And truly, I mean this, if there's any way that we can help, 
please feel free to send me an email and I'll do anything that I can to support what you're doing and to provide any information that you think is needed to whomever it's needed. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Albert. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Albert. Um, I I was going to say, you know, well, of course, you know what I do for a living, and I, you know, am out there all the time, too, just talking to people and trying to get them to understand that it's important right. for them to start prevention. So I yeah. have to say that I've been pretty pretty happy with being able to go into preschool. been huge. And it wasn't really a niche that I thought I would do when I first started doing these classes. But um, I I really like it because I it shows me that adults are out there wanting to know more. They're wanting to learn yeah. more and they're wanting to know how to protect children. Yeah. And so well, I, I just always say, you know, I'm still leave these little pockets of people around. So, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Right. Well, you've been doing this for a long time, and you, you've done a lot of training of people around this issue. So I imagine you've made quite a dent in, uh, in people's awareness and ability to, to take action. Yeah, you know, like, like Albert was saying, all we can do is just, you know, do our part, and, and hopefully that makes a difference. So <laughs> you, you were just pivotal in this whole arena and doing it so much longer than a lot of us have. And um, thank you. I just thank you. That's all your nice, knowledge. It's nice to hear. It's nice to hear. I mean, as we all know, you know, not, this is not, this is not easy stuff. So it's important to have each other um, for, for the support that, uh, that we can give each other around this. I mean, we're, we're all working really hard. I'm, I take honestly, Kim. I take better care of myself these days than I used to. Uh, I was working all the time because there was always something else to do, and uh, I I had trouble leaving it for tomorrow. And I think one thing that I've learned is that there is tomorrow. And that if we don't take care of ourselves and we don't call upon the kind of support that we need uh, from other people when we need it, we're not going to be in, 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 in a great position to, to keep ourselves, oh, energized and, and, uh, and healthy so that we can help other people, right? Yeah, yeah that's huge. And I agree with you, I think. I've been kind of doing this at is just trying to, to make sure that I'm taking care of myself and that that's just yeah, as important as really taking important. care of the rest so of my family. Right. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We do have another caller on the line here, um, Val. So I'm going to go ahead and bring Val on. Okay, Val, you're Hi. on. With Hi. I, um, good awesome. evening. Um, sorry, I joined. I joined a little late, but um, the the previous conversation is of um, great interest to me. Um, I actually came from a race board meeting, um, and we're in the very early stages of trying to put together something that we can take into schools. Like um, we're thinking more of like PTAs, 
um, where we want to have a program where we get to talk to teachers and parents about prevention because our group is all about prevention. And um, and we've been told, so uh, I don't know if anybody has any tips on, like, who are the best people? I was told by one person you have to go to the school board. Um, somebody else said no, go to the individual, you know, schools themselves. So, um, like I said, I'm in very early stages of this, um, you know, trying to put something together. So if you have any advice for me, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, uh, we, we, we worked on that for a long time, the schools. Uh, I'm not doing it so much anymore because it never got easy. Uh, and, and it was, it, it took so much effort. But if there's an individual like yourself and other people who are working towards this, you can work with each other and support each other to do it. And it does, it depends mm-hmm. on the school district. I've gotten into schools through the back door, and I've gotten into schools through the front door. And what I mean by that is individual teachers have have asked me, have individually called me up and said, listen, I'd like to do this in my classroom. I've had principals contact me and say, I'd like to do a presentation in the auditorium for a bunch of kids. The, there was one school district, um, and I won't mention where, but I got in through the middle door. It was a principal, uh, and then it became known to the school board that I was already in, and they were freaking out a little bit. It was like, oh, my God, what happens if, Children start disclosing, and we're not prepared. What do we do? And she, I I remember this conversation really, really well. She just said, she said, well, uh, please don't do anything uh, until we all get involved. And I was honest with her, and I said, I'm already in. And she said, oh, (laughs) Uh, well, um, I'd really like to back it up a little bit uh, and let's all come together. So I would say, what was your name again? Sorry, Val, right, Val? This is Val Miola, yes. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. So I would say, <laughs> yeah, uh, so I would say that, that the, the, there are, the, the techniques that you use are going to depend on who you're talking to and what the school right. district is and what they're willing to deal with and not deal with. Uh, some, yeah. some school boards are really adamant about they, they're going to control, control this. And I guess the best advice that I have is to be uh, ready and armed with good responses like, well, it's certainly a better idea to prevent abuse rather than the schools having to deal with it afterwards, whether that's the child coming in and telling a teacher or the child being abused in the school itself. So let's get behind Mm -hmm. prevention. Let's do it in a meaningful way. 
Let's do it in an age-appropriate way. Let's get the parents involved. Let's get the community involved. And we'll help you set this whole thing up, right? And mm-hmm. I think and the, if the, I think if the approach is pretty reasonable, like I was saying before, if you're reasonable with people, they're often, if not usually, reasonable with you back. So I, I would have various scenarios kind of ready in your head for the way you're going to respond to different situations and what an appropriate and meaningful and helpful and supportive response would be. If that if that's helpful at all, I don't know. But that's that's what comes to my mind from my own experience. Yeah, and I have that part kind of worked out in my head because I've used that in other situations. And we're not gearing our program towards children because like we don't have any like um social workers or anything on our you know um in our group so we want to gear it towards education of parents and teachers and let them educate the children you know right. but we right. want to go in and say this is what's happening here's what you need to know here's the statistics here's you know um ways to prevent and here's what to look for right Right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're doing all the right stuff. It really does. Yeah, the the biggest thing for me is um, once we have this program together is who do I approach first? You know, do I just show up at schools and start, you know, asking for interviews with teach with uh, principals or? <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think you know I I think that you can reach out and say. I do work around child abuse prevention. You might want to, for the beginning, leave the sexual part out of it just because it's Yeah, we found that. Yeah, it's an easier in. And just say, I do work around child, child, child abuse prevention, and we'd really love to talk to, come in and talk to the school system about how we might work in partnership with you to accomplish your goals, your goals, right? Not my goals, yeah. your goals. Yeah? Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and yeah. and to your point, isn't it isn't it interesting how um, when you add that word sexual abuse, you put child and sexual abuse together and people right. just, you know, immediately freeze up and they don't want to hear anything about it, you know? Right, but right. we we stand up. Uh, we lost yeah. you. Yeah. The same, though, because people need to hear that in a sentence. <laughs> right. And and as I was saying before, it's why I named the organization what I named it to begin with. Stop the silence mm-hmm. of sexual abuse. Because people needed to hear the phrase. People, I needed to get it on the media. If we were going to create awareness. We had to be able to say the phrase. People couldn't get it out of their mouths, you know. So I don't, I don't advise one way or the other, although I say that probably to get into the schools, um, leaving that word out until you get in and you're talking about, um, say, adverse childhood experiences or ACEs and including child sexual abuse among those traumatic events for a child. And it just might be easier to get in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I appreciate the advice. Mm-hmm. And, and thank you for um, 
having made um, as part of this book, it's been a real experience for me. Um, and I'm already, you know, getting a lot of great feedback when we read it. Oh, that's great. Well, tell them to get online and post a review. I am. I'm telling everybody. <laughs> Good. Great. That's great. Yeah, you know, you know, we've already hit number one status in various categories. Did you know that? I saw that. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. It's great. You know, that'll so really kick it. Yeah, that'll kick it up so that more people see it. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're really going to work hard in getting this uh, into a mainstream read for survivors, people who assist them, uh, clinicians and, and therapists and psychologists, but also for people who just want and need to know more about this issue. So we're working it. We're working it. And, and all mm-hmm. help uh, is, is, is welcome in that regard. You tell people to tell other people. You know, word, word of mouth goes really far. And it's interesting that you, know, you talk about getting this into the hands of therapists. It was interesting to me. Now, my my first, I wrote anonymously, and I really didn't um, do any advertising and stuff for, you know, various reasons I don't need to get into. But um, I can't tell you how many people that I did give the book to said to me, oh, my gosh, I'm showing this to my therapist, that this is saying right. what I'm trying to say. You know, right. and I think that's our book, Stop the Silence, is going to do also. It's going to tell other people, like, what we're trying to say that a lot of people can't say. Like, they don't have the words for it. Right. And, you know, I don't know if you heard Ward was on before, Edward Schlein. He's our social media guy. But he was talking and uh, before. And, and one of the things that he underscores is the importance of helping therapists understand this issue from other than a clinical uh, perspective. And and it's not easy. It's not easy. People who have not been, uh, thankfully, uh, uh, directly affected by this, it's not easy to understand the effects. I... I, I, I often said that for a very long time, I mean a long time, I approached this issue from a very um, knowledge-based uh, perspective. I could, I could, I could, I could tell you the stats. I can tell you, I could tell you what's happened in Africa. I could tell you the the impact uh, and the outcomes from. From a clinical perspective, it has an effect on the neurology, and it does this, and it does that, and a PTSD is effect, you know, is, is is an out. I could do all of that, but in terms of truly understanding this, that took that took not only time, that took some suffering, frankly, because once start getting into the once you start truly not sympathizing but empathizing, once you start feeling some of the feelings that survivors have survived, it's a whole other ball game, and uh, and it's painful. Uh, but yeah, but for for people who 
therapists and clinicians and others who really want to make a difference, they need to get at least part of the way there because otherwise it's just chit-chat. You know, they're listening, but they don't understand. And if they don't understand, it's hard for them, I think, to really provide the kind of uh, support and and um, and 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 guiding path that that survivors of child sexual abuse really need. No, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's. I, I, you know, we're, we we want to. We really want to see this book uh, do well by by society. And as you might have heard uh, me say, or maybe you know, uh, because I've been posting, we're looking to get it translated into various languages, so we can get it into the hands of people all over the world. Yeah. Yay. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, thank yeah. you, Val. Thank you for your question. Um, oh, thank you. you know, one thing that I've noticed, <laughs> yeah, um, one thing that I've noticed, and I don't know if any of the other people, I don't have all the lines open, but um, any of the other authors have noticed this too, but I have gotten over 100 friend requests in the last 24 hours. And no. so something is going on. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. So I was like, wow, this is really, something is happening. It is happening. I think people are starting already to recognize what a great book this is. So that's that's great. Yeah, I've been getting additional friend requests as well, but not a hundred. But I've been also getting some more traffic. Yeah, which which is great. That's fantastic. I hope it explodes. I mean, I really do. Yeah. I hope it explodes. Yeah, I I think so. So we are like down to seven minutes, less than seven minutes we have of the show. And I, the shows always go so quick. It seems like a long time in the beginning and then they're over. But yeah, um, this is what really else do you want to say? It's been a really I good show. One, one thing I want to say is I, I want I want to tell people what else we were working on uh, that I think is important for people to know because it complements and is uh, it goes hand in hand with with the book and what we're trying to do in terms of awareness and prevention and 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 uh, education and training and those are two things one is um, and I think this is pretty cool. I really do. But we have we have a T-shirt which you may or may not know about, and uh, that is available. If you go onto uh, the IVAT Stop the Silence website, it's ivatcenters.org/stop-the-silence. We have these T-shirts that has have the, has this painting that we got permission from the artist to use of that dragonfly. The dragonfly in cultures around the world uh, symbolizes uh, change, transformation, and a whole lot of other things. It's in the book. Actually, the whole, the whole, there's a whole page of what the dragonfly means in various cultures in the world. And we took this painting and we put it on a T-shirt. And on top of the T-shirt, it says, I'm a thriver. And whether you're a thriver of child after child sexual abuse or anything else in your life, you can wear this shirt 
proudly and make a statement about what we're all trying to do. Underneath that is the artist's website, but also then the I that Stop the Silence website. And I'd love I'd love to see I I'd love to see a mess of people wearing this T-shirt. It's really beautiful. It comes in a whole bunch of different colors, uh, and people can purchase that. So I think that's one thing, and that goes along with the awareness stuff because people notice that shirt. It's really pretty. So people ask me about it. I mean, I wear it. People ask me. People, my my trainer in the gym bought one. I've heard that, that's <laughs> great. You know, I think that's just great, and he's wearing it. So that's one thing. Uh, uh, also, an important thing that I want to underscore is that is something we're also working on, and that is uh, a certificate uh, available uh, from uh, an accredited university in based in the UK. It's called uh, uh, the University of Applied Research and Development, UARD. We're in collaboration with them, and we have built an entire uh, certificate to master's program. So the points or credits, depending upon whether you're overseas uh, in, in the U- UK or in the U.S., you get points or you get credits um, for the certificate, and it's very comprehensive. And you can go on and apply those points or credits towards a master's in child trauma and protection. And that will be available soon. And also information about that is on our website and more is coming soon. And that, again, we are looking to reach the world. We're, we're, we are focusing right now on the United States to get any bugs out of the system. It's, self, it's self-paced um, and very comprehensive. And then we'll finish up the masters either by the end of this year or the very beginning of next. And people can go on to that. But after this year, after the testing phase with U.S. participants, we will be going on and, and opening it up to the world and, and providing uh, cost relevance uh, in terms of, 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 of fees for people. So what it costs somebody in the United States is not what it's going to cost somebody in Africa, for example. So... The vision here is to literally put everybody on the same page with regard to this issue so that they understand comprehensively what it's about uh, and what can be done. So I wanted to say that because that's an important program and we're almost ready to fly with that. And these, these three things go together really well. The book for survivors and therapists, the education program, for anybody who's in the field working with child sexual abuse or related um, issues, um, other adverse childhood experiences, and the shirt just proclaims something that we all need to say very loudly and very proudly. I'm a thriver of whatever it is you have thrived through. So that's that's my little spiel. I love it. And I love that shirt. I'm so glad that you brought that up. I haven't gotten one, and I was kind of wondering if they were still available. So I'm glad that you oh, absolutely. brought that yeah. up. Absolutely. And as Go far as the accreditation thing, yeah. yeah. So the, the IBAT rate website is where that's at. Um, a lot of, you know, therapists, doctors, 
you know, if you talk to them, teachers, even though they get so much training, they don't have the specific training. And that's what I find, too, when I'm out there. Right. Um, right. A lot of them say, oh, yeah, we've had it. And then, you know, you start talking to them, and it was maybe, you know, like a paragraph. And the rest of the, mm-hmm. the training that they were mm-hmm. getting. And so, it's, yeah, it's wonderful what you're doing. And you just are so, so inspiring, Pamela. Thank you so Thank much. You. For Thank you. Being Thank on the you. Team. Yeah, and um, Penelope, I just opened your line as well. Was there anything else you wanted to say or say goodbye to Pamela? No, I just I want to thank just Dr. Pamela Pine for, for coming on and our panel because um, it always makes for such a great um, show when we have so many um, people join in um, and share their comments. And I just wish to thank the panel as well because um, they're able to really tap into Pamela's um, intellectual, um, you know, uh, library, if you will, um, because you're such a trusted resource and you've done so much work in this area. And I just feel that with the panel's questions and your expertise, so much was shared tonight. That's, and as Kim mentioned, these shows are archived. It's going to really benefit so many people. So I just thank you so much, including myself. Yeah. So Thank you. I do appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. Well, thank you. And again, this is PN number 3133. So you can go back on. It's usually available about a half an hour after the show ends. And um, if you want to share it with anybody else, we'd love for you to get it out there. So thank you again, Dr. Pamela Pine, for being on this evening. And you're just wealth of information. And um, Hope to talk to you soon. We'll talk to you when your next one comes out for sure. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kim. You take Have a great care. Evening. Take care. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Good night, everyone. Another tomorrow. Cause that's gone away.